the MMA Fight Corner. Get back. Joining us in the Fight Corner right now, uh, head trainer at AKA, and uh, how to say, now head trainer to the world heavyweight champion, Cain Velasquez, Javier Mendez. How you doing tonight? Good, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Uh, excellent, excellent. Um, first off, congratulations. The other night was obviously uh, an amazing event, uh, amazing fight for you guys. Did you expect the fight to go down like that? Uh, believe it or not, I 100% expected the fight to go down like that. I had Kane prepared for that. Unfortunately, um, we've never had anybody of Brock's size to train with because there is nobody like him that's that good. So we didn't know how Kane was going to react when somebody of that size came at him. And, and I think it threw Kane off just a little bit at the very beginning because of the, the sheer power that Brock has. Uh, so we expected that, but I don't think Kane was fully expecting that, that he'd be that strong. Do you think Daniel Cormier's, um, you know, past with him or just, you know, with training with Cole Conrad and that whole thing helped uh, Kane a lot with that takedown? Because Kane got up so quick. I've, and the second takedown, I mean, it was like a football player in the fall. The, like, what do they say? The floor is on fire. Like, he just jumped up so quick. I was so surprised to see that knowing Brock's overall brute strength. Um. Uh, yeah, Daniel Daniel Cormier was an was, uh, uh, intricate part in, in that aspect of the game, and that's why I recruited Daniel to help me with Kane. Um, you know, so 100% Daniel Cormier was, was a key element for the wrestling that we knew we had to combat, you know, because like I said, you know, we, we couldn't get a, a duplication of Brock because there is no one like him. So I had to get the, what I considered the best thing for dealing someone like like Brock is technique, the technical aspect, and Daniel comes in perfect for that. Now, one of the things that's always been said is that this has been foreshadowed for a while. Cain Velasquez becoming the heavyweight champion. Uh, apparent, you know, there's been talk that Dana signed him without really even seeing any of you know of his fights. He that this was just something that uh, was foreshadowed. How does that now feel with Cain? Does that t feel like there's a lot of pressure taken off, and now he can? relax a little bit more as a fighter or is he the type of guy that's just going to go even harder now since he's achieved what he's wanted um well you know he's he, he's he's a very kane, kane is a very intelligent uh fighter and uh i think he acknowledges uh the fact that that now the 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 road to to keeping that title is going to be a lot harder than it was the road to attaining it so he has to put in more work now going forward because you got to understand as the way he thinks and the way I think is, you know, he just set the blueprint for what's needed in, in the heavyweight division. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't raise the bar, eventually that bar that he raised is going to get pushed. And then he's going to be thrown to the side because there's going to be a new guy coming up that's gotten better in all those areas that he needs to get better at. So uh, Kane has, has realized that now it's time to work. The work's really beginning now. How does it feel coaching the new champ, the new heavyweight UFC champion? Yeah, how's that feel? Because, you know, we saw with Dave Camarillo the way I just all the emotions flowing after that win. I mean, the guy was crying. How does that feel with you? Um, I, you know, I was extremely happy, you know. Um, you know, like I said before, as his coach, you know, I, I felt very happy because, you know, I've accomplished something. But, you know, as a coach, I brought other other guys to titles. I mean, I was uh, Frank's head coach, Frank Shamrock, when he won the, the, the first UFC title 
for us back then when he was the first middleweight the UFC champion and to me that was that was a big win for me too you know so I've experienced that uh, before um, you know and I've had like Kong Lee with Strike Force winning the title Josh Thompson winning the the Strike Force title and Bobby Software so I've been in those situations where it was it was a great feeling uh, with Kane sure it was a monstrous event so there was a lot more hype on it but from a coach's point of view, it, to me, it was still the same. We accomplished our goal. But now, take uh, another side of it, as Kane's friend, which him and I become fairly, really, really close, it was probably the greatest moment of my life for a friend. Right, you guys right. can understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. On the, absolutely. On the, I have to ask you one question. On the flip side, I know that you, you said that Kane was surprised at how powerful Brock was. Do you think Brock was surprised at how powerful Kane was? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think uh, Kane was surprised by Brock as Brock was surprised by Kane by uh, how well Kane was able to uh, deal with uh, Brock's uh, uh, you know incredible strength and, and tenacity. Uh, I think I think Brock was definitely taken back. It's like I said uh, going into the fight. I said um, if we execute our game plan and they execute their game plan to a T, we're going to win every time. Uh, if we didn't execute our plan, we were going to lose. We had the right uh, plan in place. Kane had uh, in his mind what was going to happen, but still, <laughs> it still took him a little bit back because of how strong uh, and, and fast Brock was. So, you know, that's attributed to how great of an athlete Brock is, you know, uh, as a result of, you know, him being able to throw off, uh, you know, off his game a little bit. And then you'll even hear Kane say that he was not relaxed at one point. He got into a slugfest with him and, and you know, before he caught himself and regained himself, because had he continued to go into a slugfest with Brock, I mean, I got to tell you guys, it, it was one punch away from one of those guys being out. It just so happened that Kane got him, but it could have gone the other way around. Yeah, and you know, you talk about Kane being a smart fighter. I think at the end he didn't make the same mistake that Carwin made by gassing himself out and just hitting. He was picking his shots, and that's why he was able to be as, in my opinion, as successful as he was at the end of that fight. You're 100% correct. Uh, we, we, we went through that scenario over and over. Uh, one thing Kane does is, you know, he, he, before a fight, he just wants to know, what's the game plan? What's the game plan? You know, and, and, and uh, he doesn't just want to hear my opinion. He wants to hear Bob Cook's opinion. He wants to hear Dave Camarillo's opinion. And he wants to have Daniel Cormier, since he was, he was brought in for this particular camp, to help in coaching him. So... You know, I'm the most important person to Kane, but I'm not the only coach he has. So we all have to be in together on what the game plan is. And uh, we've yet uh, to disagree on what a game plan should be. You know, Dave Camarillo, Bob Cook, myself, we've been together for quite a few years, and we've never disagreed on how we need to attack a certain opponent. So that being the case, we, we all came in collectively as to what was needed for this. Uh, but I'm Kane's biggest ear because I'm, you know, him and I got the uh, the best bond going together uh, in regards to friendship. Yeah. Now you mentioned the training and the aspects of all of it. Uh, our web designer actually kind of somewhat may have some history with you. She's not really sure, but she's from the air, the San Jose area. So uh, she goes by the name of the Fang now, but. Uh, she wanted to hop on and ask you a quick question. Hola, Javier. Okay. ¿Cómo estás? Estoy bien. Estoy bien. Todo bien. Gracias. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your early experience with uh, West Coast Taekwondo in the mid-80s. I was actually a student there at the uh, Aborn Road location near Capitol Avenue. Oh. 
And I yeah, was wondering, because yeah, okay. I thought Scott Coker and you also uh, instructed at that area. Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Scott Coker was actually my instructor in that, at that time. Uh, I came to West Coast from uh, another style, Tong Sudo, and uh, I was told about next instructor that taught Taekwondo and some of my friends, they went to Scott and they suggested that I go over there too. I, I basically, uh, my instructor there was Scott Coker, who is the, the basically the owner of Strikeforce. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you guys have had a lot of interesting people that you trained as of late. Uh, Herschel Walker being one right. of them. What's it been like training with a Heisman Trophy winner? Um, you know... When first when first Herschel came to me, I was like, kind of like taken back, like, yeah, right, whatever. He's forty seven years old, never done MMA. Now just because he's a great athlete in football, he thinks he's going to come in and and do MMA. So I was like, nah. I, I was like one of those, no way he can do it. And, you know, so he came to the gym, and uh, first thing I noticed about him, he, he was very green. But he had—he still had a lot of raw, uh, uh, you know, uh, explosiveness. Yeah, he's you know, impeccable. It, 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 yeah, it was shape. just unbelievable. So the, what I seen him do just blew me away. And then I totally changed my opinion about someone, you know, because he's not just your normal guy. He's beyond anything I've ever seen. Yeah. I, he's the greatest—he's the greatest athlete I've ever had the privilege of training. You know, and had he been 19 or 20 years old, he'd have been the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Now, Javier, has, has Strike Force found an opponent for him? No, no, they haven't found an opponent for him. Herschel, uh, you know, he's still green. You know, you just can't jump into MMA and think that, you know, after your second fight, you can fight the really top, top contenders. It's not possible, no matter how great of an athlete you are. The MMA is, is, is a sport to be respected, and Herschel knows that. But... Uh, Herschel's jumping at, at a much higher rate than I've had anybody jump for his second fight. He, he's he's uh, challenging. His next opponent would be someone that's going to be, uh, you know, more experienced than, than than the last guy. You know, so how he's going to fare against the next guy is yet to be seen because, you know, we, we don't know who that is yet. And again, you know, this man's unbelievable. I, I've never seen anybody like him. Now, yeah, you say... Uh you don't know who his opponent is yet. Does that make it tough coming up? I mean, we're like a little over a month away, right, from that fight? And yeah. How do you handle that? Uh, well, you know, Strikeforce just basically, you know, they, they, they just, you know, give us the opponent, and then we go, okay. You know, and, and you know, you got to keep in mind, they have to get the right opponent because they can't get somebody that's going to be over his head because, you know, that's not fair for her show. You know, but at the same time, too, they can't get somebody that's below either because that's not fair on the promotion. So you got to get the right person that's got more experience that's ready for the challenge. But, you know, it's, it's a delicate subject because, you know, uh, you don't know exactly what Herschel can do at this stage. I mean, I have him sparring with Kane Velasquez. Uh, and, you know, and Kane goes at him decent, not super hard, but enough to the point where you know, Herschel, for his experience, should have been able to do as well as he does with Kane or some of the other fighters I put him in with. You know, uh, it's just it just amazes me that this man can do as well as he does with as little experience as he has. And and it can only be attributed to one thing. That guy's a fighter, and his heart, he's a fighter, and he never quits. And, you know, no matter what obstacle you put in front of Herschel, he says, okay, I'll do it. And he just believes in winning. 
No matter what he does, he believes in winning. And that's probably attributed to why he's been so successful in anything he's ever done. Absolutely. He's got a good head for it. You know, he's just got a, a winning head, which, yes. is, uh, which is, you know, 90% of it probably, 75% of making a great athlete. You know, I know it's been rocky in the past, but how is your current relationship with Dana White? Uh, you know, with me, it's never been rocky ever because I, I never, I never had conversations with Dana other than hi, how you doing? That's it. And honestly speaking, with me, it's still the same. Hi, how you doing? I, I don't, I don't interact with Dana. Uh, I have the utmost respect for him because, you know, if he doesn't like you, he'll tell you. And if he's got an issue with you, he'll tell you. So you know where you stand with him. So for me, I'm not one of those guys that, that thinks anything bad of the man. I, I actually like him, and I thank him for what he's done for the sport because he's given me uh, a love that, that, that you know, is going to actually financially pay off for me. So I have nothing but, but good things to say about him. I don't have anything negative. But he says what he likes. And you know what? I hate him or love him. I respect him. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is, like, I mean, we know it's more like the AKA fighters. I know that there was, you know, the way he talks about how everyone should be fighting each other and, you know, all that stuff. And it's led to some some things being said and the whole video game thing. But, um, you know, you had to do the whole Ultimate Fighter thing. Right. And how was your experience on the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, well, I was only I only came in a little bit, you guys. I wasn't I wasn't there as much because I had you know I had too many fighters to attend to. You know, uh, my experience was, it was nice. You know, watching these guys do what they're doing, and and you know, it, it, the, the the camera guys or the directors never asked you to say anything or do anything. Everything they got was what the guys were doing themselves. Mm. So that's kind of cool. It was kind of interesting how they piece it all together. I'll tell you that it's, it's very interesting how they do that. It and, is, you know, oh, boy, it is very interesting. And you know, you, you bring up a good point, and I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that because it always seems. And I love the Ultimate Fighter. Me, Phil, everybody in this room is the hu biggest fans of the Ultimate Fighter. But it always seems that every year, and maybe you can add to this, there's always one guy who's the instigator, one guy who gets into a fight. It always seems like it's a little, a little scripted at times. Maybe is that to make it? Yeah, and, and I can tell you guys from my experience, not one time that I ever think or see anybody, Dana or whoever, say anything to anybody. They let you be who you were. So if the guys wanted to be idiots, they were idiots, <laughs> not by anybody telling them to be idiots. Well, idiots. Javier, we all, we all know there's always one idiot in the crowd. <laughs> so I guess it one, works well, out. I, I guess it works out. I kind of think personally that from my view, there was a lot more than one on this one. <laughs> quite a few of them. And, and, and some of them, you know, were, were, were on purpose and some of them were just idiots. That's you know, uh, yeah, that's yeah. just the way it is. You know, I, I can't tell you, you know, which ones were acting and which one weren't, but I can tell you 100%. Spike just filmed what the guys did. They did not at anything, no pressure, no nothing on nothing. They never said a damn word. They just come and film you, and they film you, they film this person, they film that person. And, and you know, I think you guys know, if you've seen enough of those shows, it's the fighters themselves. That sometimes the real part of them takes over because the pressure of being on TV, and then they act like idiots, and I'm sure they didn't intend to act like idiots, but they end up doing it because they're on TV. Yeah. You know, so so I think if you put a camera in front of anybody for uh, a certain length of time, they're going to be somebody that they never thought they were. Well, I got to tell you, you know, the camera's in front of them. I got to tell you, Javier, there's a couple of minutes on video of me acting like a complete idiot <laughs> at least every other day. So. 
Well, one person that I love being looking at in front of the camera because he just always puts on a show is uh, obviously the coach on the Ultimate Fighter, Josh Koscheck. Uh, how is Josh leading up to this fight? Like, listen, because I'll, I'll admit, Javier, when I watched season one of the Ultimate Fighter, I did not like Josh Koscheck. I did not like him at all, just anything about him. But then once you interview him and you get to talk to this guy and get to know him, he's a great guy. I'm a big fan of Josh Koscheck now. You know, the problem with Josh Kostick, he is a great guy, but Josh Kostick is a grumpy son of a gun. He's so damn grumpy. It's like, God, you know, it's like, geez, you know, it's like you just never know which Josh Kostick you're going to get. Deep down, though, if you're one-on-one with him, I love him to death. Nice one. You know, I'm sorry. But outside, outside of that, he's, he's a grump. I call him grumpy. <laughs> now... I know when you guys were leading up to the Brock fight, uh, it was all about Cain Velasquez and getting this guy ready. You know, you got Josh coming up. How is the camp going, and how is he looking? Um, you know, and what are we expecting come December 11th? Um, oh, I can tell you this, without a doubt. Um, expect the war. Outside of one of those guys KOing each other, it's not going to be one domination over the other. I'm telling you that straight up. It's going to go back and forth. I don't know how it's going to go, but I do know this. You guys are going to be treated to one hell of a fight because both of these guys, they, Josh knows what's at stake. GSP knows what's at stake. GSP is being all the, all the ad takes and everything that Josh has been doing to try to get into his head as, as uh, his motivation to come back and get, and get Josh. Josh, basically, is just Josh. Josh just fights because he loves to fight. He, he, his thing is, he fights all the time. A USC calls, whether it's a one, two-week notice, if he's ready to go, he's ready to go. He doesn't care who he's fighting. He just fights. He fights because he fights. He wants to win money. He, wants, he likes winning, and he likes increasing his popularity by that meaning that he knows the, the better is his way. Yeah. So Josh is a total businessman when it comes to that, and he's got the right attitude. He knows the more fights he has, the better he's going to get. Yeah, Josh gained a lot of respect from a lot of people. I remember when he took that Tiago Alves fight right before he was already scheduled with Yoshida, or maybe it was the other way around. He was fighting Alves, and then he took the other fight with Yoshida. That was uh, that was big ups to him, and you know that's the type of guy that Dana White loves, and that's why you'll always see well, a guy like Josh, you know. Well, in the let, mix. Let, me give you guys this, let me give you guys the scenario how that happens so you can understand how Josh Kostick is as a fighter. And you got no matter what, like him or lo- uh, or dislike the guy, that guy's a warrior. And I'll tell you what happened. Uh, he, Josh is getting ready. He's sparring in the ring. Uh, Bob comes to me, hey, and uh, for somebody else, I forgot who that was too. And I'm like, what? I go, he, he's not ready. Kostick says, blah, 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 blah. I don't care what you say, blah, blah. I'm taking that fight. So I'm like, I was against it. I just didn't think we had we could prepare adequately for, for Tiago. I thought that was too soon uh, because of how dangerous Tiago was. I said, I don't care what you say, Hob or Bob. You guys aren't telling me what to do. I'm taking that fight. So I said, okay. I mean, Jeff, you're the boss. I mean, the fighter decides who they want to fight. I don't tell them who they fight or not fight. I may give them advice, but they decide. I said, no, I'm taking that fight. And, and, and sure enough, well, you know, my job as his coach is, okay, you're taking that fight, then we got to do the best we can to prepare for that fight. Well, you know, I, I would have wanted more time for Tiago, but it is what it is. That's the kind of warrior Kostek is. No regrets, no nothing. I'm taking a fight. You're not afraid of anybody. Javier, we want to thank you very much, and uh, just enjoy the rest of your time off before you get to uh, get right back in the gym. 
No, well, no problem. I actually, I'm waiting here, and then I got to train Herschel a little later. So I'm always on the run now. So, anyways, uh, thank you for having me, and uh, hopefully, I answer some of you guys' questions. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks. a lot, Javier. You're the man. Thanks a lot, man. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Okay. Bye right. bye.